Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast with me, Sean Tipping. Today on the show... I've got another recording from ASTE in North Carolina. Attended that back in September. We've had a few episodes out from that. Of course, I talked to a whole bunch of people. But this time, it's going to be the one and only Keith Perkins. He's been on the show before, so you should be familiar with him. Uh, incredibly smart guy. He's always got plenty to say. So uh, obviously easy to have a good chat with him about the automotive industry and what he's got going on with his mole business. So um, I think that's all I really need to say. It's another great episode with Keith. So let's jump right in. We'll just... Uh, We'll just hit record and go. Yeah. All right. No more sketchy stuff. We're recording. <laughs> you're, you're on the record now. <laughs> no more sketchy hack shit, Justin Morgan from. They <laughs> <laughs> just stop talking completely. <laughs> Set that camera up somewhere. So what's going on, Keith? Nothing. What's going on with you? I just hear. A S T E. I was googling A T S E. I'm like, I can't find any information on this. <laughs> yeah, you got to put the the letters in there correctly, I guess. We're in Cary, right? Cary, North Carolina. Yes, sir. Sweet. First time I've ever been here. Uh, this is my first time at A S T E. Also. Yeah. So, what are you thinking so far? Oh, pretty good. Good turnout. Well, yeah, super awesome turnout, and uh, good to be back in person and see everybody face to face. That's that's the thing I miss the most. Yeah, just people. Um, the mass thing makes it weird, but you know, is what it is. Right. I like the people part of it actually going, being here with real live in person. Yeah. Or get to see people that you just talk with online all the time. You're like, Oh, okay. This is not, now you're you're a real person. (laughs) Everyone's shorter than what I thought. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yeah, I'm uh, just doing a panel this, uh, yeah, doing a panel today, not teaching any classes. So. Okay, all right. Yeah. You signed up for any classes? Well, so I was signed up for a class today, but then it ended up getting canceled. And so I was just going to wander around and hop into some <laughs> random ones yeah. and see what's going on. Yeah. I know Brandon's here teaching. Um, Morton. Yeah, oh yeah, Jim, uh, Dave Hobbs doing a class, Pete Meyer. Um, who else is teaching today? Isaac. Oh, is he, does he have a class today? Yep. Okay. Yep. It's actually, I think it's on the app for tomorrow, but it's actually today. Oh, all right. So. What what one was his class? His hybrid class. Is it? Okay. Yeah. He's right. going to do hybrid EV technologies. Um, that's a super cool class. He's got lots of uh, show and tell. Okay. He's got a table full of like exploded um, hybrid parts. So it's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely have to go check that out then. Yeah. Cool. Well, what else is new? Uh, we're doing my J class at my new shop, um, October 15th and sixth or no, 16th and 17th. It's a Saturday and Sunday. Okay. And so that's going to be cool. Um, I was waiting to make sure all the other in-person classes went well first. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that's smart. Want, yeah. Yeah. You know, like we were talking about, I didn't want to be the first guy 
that uh, that was like, "Hey, I'm doing this class," and, and then uh, utter failure. You know, sure, sure. So, how many people do you have for that? We're only allowing 15 seats. Okay, so we've only got like six. It would probably be sold out before this airs or whatever. But yeah, that's that's coming up, and then uh, I'll be at Apex. Okay, yeah, I don't think I'm teaching unless CTI needs something done. Gotcha, because they've done that to me before. Is that one in Vegas? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's happening the same time as SEMA at the hotel, like across the street. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So that'll, that'll be neat. I, uh, Liz will be there. Okay. Yeah. So cool. I'm not scheduled for that, but, uh, what, what, what's the date on that? November. Uh, I think it's like the first week. Oh, okay. Like fourth All through right. the ninth or something or. Gotcha. Could be way off. That feels right though. All right. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this all goes smoothly, and then they can just keep on rolling them out. Yeah, we really need the in-person stuff. I think everyone's getting burned out on virtual. It's yeah. I mean, you know, I do online training, so I, I'm not against virtual in any way, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. It's when that's the only thing you have. It's oh, tough. Yeah, it's so bad. It's a good supplement in between the big training events, mm-hmm. um, but it's I can't do it alone. It's right. just it, it's a total burnout. I got to have real human interaction. Yeah, uh, I'm loud. I'm animated. I talk with my hands. I, you know, well, just yeah, to be engaged with the people you're yeah. you're talking to and and get questions and stuff like that. Like you just you have no connection with no. the people because I, I had to do the online teaching thing. Uh, the spring that COVID started and um, you know, students just turn their cameras off on zoom and you have no idea. Are they even listening? Are they even there? Yeah. Uh, you know, or they got something set up to move their mouse or something like that. It's, it's totally disengaged with the, the people that you're trying to connect with. Um, you, you can't even tell if they're following along with what you're saying, right? Like you need that face to face interaction, but um, I like having the virtual stuff too. Because then, like, I'll listen to a video while I'm driving around. And yeah. that's that's super helpful to be able to take in information during downtimes. Or if I'm, like, cleaning the house or something, I can just listen yeah. to a video or a podcast or whatever. But, yeah, just being here and connecting with everybody, that's where it's at. Yeah, it's totally good being able to do that in person. It's a, I do the same thing. So I'll, I'll um, set up uh, some either a podcast or a YouTube video or something in the background as background noise while I'm driving from like mobile call to mobile call, but I've been doing less and less mobile calls. So I actually listen to more now because I just turned it on my computer at the shop. Okay. Blared over the surround and then just like do work, whatever I'm working on. So sure. I'm not as engaged as I was like to be because I'm doing other work at the same time. Right. But, but I'm getting it in, you know, I'm getting, the, it's kind of, it's kind of like being in a room. Yeah. Know? Right. The, the drive time uh, doing the mobile stuff like this summer when I was doing it full time, I've never driven so much in my life. And I mean, you're going 20 minutes here, 30 minutes here to different shops. Like I got to, I got to make the most of that time somehow. And so I'm always trying to listen to some, even if it's like an audio book or something, at least I can be, I'm not wasting that, that drive time. So I look at at the end of the day, I'm like, there's several hours just behind the wheel of the vehicle. I got to build some value into that time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where a self-driving car would, uh. Come in handy. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was talking to uh, uh, Brian Mann about that. Like you could set up all your service information uh, for the next call. You could get, you know, everything ready to go on your laptop and just be ready to hit the ground. Review uh, wiring diagrams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That would be, that'd be huge. I mean, I was thinking, I was like, man, if you, you know, you're really successful at this, it almost makes sense to hire somebody to drive you around so that you could set up for the next call. But it all depends on your location too, right? Yeah. Like, some people 
all their shops are really close together. But I got to imagine where you're at, you probably got significant distance. You know what's funny is everyone thinks that. Tulsa itself, we have 950,000 people that are served out of the metropolitan area. And Tulsa itself, like of our 300 and something um, actual accounts we have that we've ever visited, we see 200 of them pretty regularly. And the the most distance from our farthest east shop to our farthest west shop that we service is 44 minutes drive time in average traffic. And then farthest north to south is about an hour, hour and 10 minutes. Um, and those are really far south. They're two like totally different suburb cities. So with multiple technicians, we split the map. And if someone's got, we've got north calls or south calls or whatever. So everyone has maybe 20 minutes drive time between Okay. So it's kind of, it's, it's the perfect mix. So we're out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma is what everyone thinks that you know, uh-huh. I, I live on in farmland. I've got acreage and stuff, but then I'm 10 minutes from, from heavily populated area where we have Boeing and Amazon and, okay. and all these huge industrial cause, cause, um, uh, real estate's really cheap. So okay. Amazon built a distribution center out there. Boeing has their plant there. American airlines has a plant there. We've got a plant for level three communications, Williams and Williams auctions, all these huge internet companies and MCI WorldCom was there and tons of, tons of infrastructure. So there's a lot of people and there's, there's a good amount of like the, the mix of media of incomes is, is perfect. Sure. We've got everything. Yeah. So I, I, Tulsa is the perfect storm for us. And that's why everyone always asks, like, how did you get so far so fast? You know, cause we started November 5th, 2018 with me and my Nissan Titan, just, you know, busting the road uh-huh. day after day. And now here we are, you know, September of 2021 and I got three trucks on the road constantly and there's four of us and we're doing, right. you know, all this other things. Everyone's like, Oh, you, you know, you got really lucky or whatever. Like, no, I had a huge vacuum in my area. Okay. And it worked out really well. Now I did put in the work too. That was right. You know, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was definitely stressful, but that was like, that makes Tulsa the perfect mix. Okay. So we're so glad. So uh, we have like 28% of the entire population of the state in Tulsa. Oh, wow. And then like uh, 60% of the populations in Oklahoma City. And then the rest is spread out across everything else. And that's it. Interesting. So name another town in Oklahoma besides those two. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> right. Right. The only other one with her name is Enid from the movie Twister. Okay. Okay. That's, <laughs> it. that's that's it, right? So there's nothing, and and Oklahoma City and Tulsa are two hours apart. Okay. So we're all up in northeastern Oklahoma, and then the rest of the state is that's it. So it's it's a good mix. It's a good place for for someone like what we do. Sure. Yeah. So all the competition that wants to come in, you can go for it. But I got the market. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Twin Cities are pretty good too. Um, I'm north of there, so I'm kind of out in the sticks a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. that's the vibe you get when you go just a half hour north is like it's lakes and woods and mm-hmm. there's little small towns. And then you just hop on the freeway and then you're down in like it's two cities, obviously, together. And so the amount of shops there is ridiculous, ridiculous. There's no yeah. way there's no way one company could even cover it. And there's yeah. There's two, there's two other mobile companies that do it. Um, one guy that runs four or five vans and then there's a, like a corporate smart express or something like that. Mm. And they have, they have big, you know, Nissan yeah. vans and they do it, but there's still, there's still a huge need for it. Like it, yeah. my, my phone, you know, just keeps ringing. I'm here this weekend and <laughs> they're, they're calling me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's nothing I can do for you. Um, but it's there's so many so there's so much need for it. Like I said, there's a, just a vacuum, yeah. Um, and a lot of shops that don't even realize that 
wow, we could use these services. And I'm not without competition. I've got, so we've got Aztecs there. We have elites there. And they okay. both, they've got multiple techs, each of them in the Tulsa area in Oklahoma city. And yeah. Uh, and then we've got uh, Bo Ramsey, who's a distributor for like top Don and all those guys. He's been in the Tulsa area for 25 years. He was a snap on guy uh, for 10 years before that. And then for the last 25 years, he's been doing mobile, just like GM and Ford and all that stuff. Uh, then I've got one of the guys that used to work for elite split off and does his own thing. And so I've got him. Uh, what else do we have? I've got, oh, there's tons of wraps everywhere. Okay. You know, all the training yeah, shops sure. have wraps and yeah. Um, I found though the, uh, transmission shops that had those, they call me now and for it yeah. because I guess the, I've never used them myself, but they said the process is easier just to have me come in, yeah. do my thing and be done with it. It's less work, like setting the machine up. So I, I like what Opus does with it. Honestly, I know all the mobile guys hate it because they're like, oh, it's cutting in our business or whatever. I'm like, yeah, in Cody, Wyoming, someone needs to program something though. So, and then why not? So they, they got to like open the box, set it all up, uh, boot the computer up. And it comes with, uh, you got to do, I think you have to do wired now. Used to, it came with a wireless hotspot, but because Chrysler doesn't work where the, where the junk without being hardwired. Okay. I think they're all have to be hardwired now, but they boot it up. They got to like call in to the number that's on the thing and then set up an appointment. And it could be in 20 minutes or it could be in three hours of pin call volume. And then the tech has to be there to cycle the key on and off. So anyone that's doing the, the efficiency math in their head is going, wait a minute, you know, I, and I'm more expensive than the wrap. I'm not going to mm-hmm. try to compete with that. It's not the same service, but the 30 to, to $60 difference that it would be, uh, you're probably, if you're, if you're a good shop owner, you're paying attention to how much efficiency you're eating up with a tech sitting there that you may be paying or may not be paying, but he's sure. tying up a bay in time, cycling a key, listening to all that. And then they, they don't do until the air system's worked out. They can't do anything that's, that takes a VSP credential. Okay. Uh, so there's, you know, there's just like all these things that can't be done mm-hmm. uh, cause it is a J box. So yep. know, it's, it does have limitations. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's needed in some places for sure, but then I don't see it as a threat at all. No, I, yeah, the places that, like I said, the places that have it, um, they'll they'll still use it, but they'll call me and be like, "Hey, can you come in and do this one quick? We just want to get this yeah. rocked out." And yeah, and that's the only thing they have to do is call yeah. you and go, "Hey, can you come take care of this?" And you're yep. like, "Yeah, I'll be right there, no problem. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. put you on schedule. See you, in, you know, it, even if it's, I'll see you tomorrow." Sure. Like shops are they would rather do that than call and wait and schedule all that and deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's a little different. I mean, they, I don't know. It's that relationship. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And. It's the convenience. I mean, so for so much of what we do, it's the convenience to the shop. Uh, that's really the big deal. Like that's if you can just show them that, like, look how easy your life is mm-hmm. when you let me handle this. And then they're calling you all the time for stuff. Uh, w- once you can just prove that to me, because if you're going in there and trying to sell that, that can be tough. But just, you know, give me a chance to show you how this will work out for you. And then that's it you know, it's, it's sold and you don't have to do anything else besides your job, obviously. But, um, once it it just takes that much weight off of their shoulders during the day for the tech, for the shop owner, so much less hassle. Here's, here's money. Have fun. (laughs) And and that's like, so what I find interesting having the brick and mortar for almost a month now, what what I found is the most frustrating thing that was, because I never had to deal with that. I was never, um, a divisor anywhere. Okay. I just was a tech or whatever. And then I, I actually ran a parts store a long time ago. And what I find the most frustrating to deal with as a shop owner is the parts side. Okay. Because the parts industry has gotten to the point where they don't pay anyone very well. You can make more money stocking shelves at Aldi than what you could get paid at any of these parts stores. They all start at like eight or nine bucks an hour. Okay. So there's no talent. And 
as a shop owner, I want to have someone competent on the other end of the phone. I can call and go, hey, I need XYZ part. And I, I need to know that that's the end of the conversation for me and that he's going to get me a good quality part because there's certain brands I don't want of certain components. There's certain, um, it, it's not about price. If, if you're a shop that's like, a, the price has to be good or whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving anyone any business advice, but I talked about this the other day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go left field here for a second sure. to explain, and then I'll come back to my point. Um, I am not the shop owner who's worried about being super lean and cutting all the corn and making sure that my profits are perfect and that every hour we're making this much efficiency and stuff. Uh, my guys come in at 8 o'clock, and then we kind of BS around until about 8.30, sometimes 8.45, almost 9, before I send them out. But we're making sure that we have the tools for the day and mm-hmm. like, hey, I saw you're going to go look at this car today. Don't forget on this uh, symptom for this thing to check XYZ. I've had experience with that. We're all pulling from our knowledge pools together make sure everyone's got everything, everyone's aware of what's happening. And I send them out. I mean, I stock our fridge with, like, Monsters and Gatorade and, and uh, Body Armor, just, you know, drinks they like. We bring in food every every Wednesday. We have a team lunch. Nice. Um, one of my guys leaves during this time of year. He leaves two day, early two days a week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, to do his son's soccer. Okay. And then another guy, uh, his wife got doctor appointments and stuff that he's always going to. She's kind of a hypochondriac or something. I don't know. But – I don't beat the guys up on that. I'm not worried about that. I'm not constantly being on them about that. I let them take their vans home and I pay for the gas. And I I don't know. I would much rather never have to replace either of these guys and keep them super happy. Sure. Than I would like making sure I'm making an extra $170 (laughs) every day. Right. Or whatever. I I don't need to make a killing. I want to make a living and Mm -hmm. then make sure I'm taking care of my guys and then never have to hire guys again. Just never. I, I don't know. You know how it is. The tech shortage is impossible. Everyone's talking about it. There's no good techs out there that want to leave. Yeah. And it's because I think people are doing like I'm doing. They're just keeping their guys happy. Yeah. And then who cares? Well, especially for what you're doing, yeah. it's even tougher to find somebody yeah. for the role that you're trying to fill. It's not just your average technician. So, yeah, yeah you find somebody that works well with you and is competent. Yeah, it would make yeah. sense to go that extra mile. To- and I don't want to bash those guys that are saying, oh, profit first and be lean and all these. Like, that's that's great. Um, but I don't want that turnover. So mm-hmm. I, I would rather keep guys forever. So I, anyways, I almost forgot where I was going with that, but. The point is, is, is having the guys and, and, and doing that. I I did forget where I was going. <laughs> I knew I was like, I was like, I'm going well, left field. And yeah, <laughs> that's all right. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Hearts. <laughs> Good catch. Brandon Dills with the assist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So parts. So like running a shop now, something's different. They don't have good parts guys. I want to call a guy and tell him I need this and know that he's going to get me the right part. And I'm not worried about price. So I'm not, that's kind of where I was going with the, the keeping my guys happy is I'm also not trying to call a parts store and getting them down $8 on every part so I can get the cheapest possible uh, because I got to make great margin, on all these parts and stuff. And we, at our brick and mortar, I took, took again, I'm not doing anything what any of these coaches are doing. So, I'll, you know, if I fail, everyone's going to be like, well, duh, all the coaches were right. <laughs> but if I succeed, just remember I said this, that I'm not killing everyone on parts, too. Because I can't, I can't tell a customer that the part from Advanced Auto Parts that I bought is so much better than the part from Advanced Auto Parts somebody else bought right. that will sell it cheaper, right? So we're going to make 10 to 20% margin on a part, but we're buying it at a discount. So the cost may be cheaper or close to the same what they can buy it over the counter. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't have to argue the value of the part I'm selling, but I can argue and easily justify our exorbitant labor rate of $250 an hour because okay. I have the best guys. Right. So I can build value in my guys because no one else has my guys. Sure. Everyone else can buy the same radiator I can. Yep. 
or the same ignition coil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then not everyone else can, can verify and confirm and have the confidence that this is the only part you need for your car to fix it. And that's what it takes to fix it every time. So I can build value in my labor. I can't build value in a part. Yeah. I didn't yeah. manufacture it. I didn't, well, it's not any different than what the guy down the road's got, but the guy down the road doesn't have Zach Kreider and Zach Seifert. Uh-huh. So that's that, where my value is. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Right. So I mean, you know, all the all the guys are like, oh, you got to sell high margin parts, you know, sixty percent markup, and like, so I'm not worried about price. So I can call my parts guy. That's all I want. I want to call my parts guy and go, I need this. I know that he's going to get me either an AC Doco or whatever part I wanted, mm-hmm. and not have to send it back, and not have to help him find it and call the dealer and, and all that. Right. So yep. the stress of that you, you start explaining and talking to these shop owners and they're like, yeah, this wrap, it's a lot of administrative time. And you're like, Hey, just, just call me and I'll take care of it. It's what you want out of a parts guy, right? Mm-hmm. You just call and know you're going to get the good part. You're not getting screwed. You're going to get it a good time and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Like that's, that's all that you want out of a parts guy. That should be all that you want out of your techs. Mm-hmm. Just go do this job, know that it's done right. And that you don't have to worry about it. Just come program this module, know that it's going to come be done right. And they're going to take care of it. And I don't have to hold anyone's hand. Okay. Right. Because all these shop owners and advisors are all stressed to the max. Yep. Trying to do all the things because they can't delegate anything because there's no one good in the industry to do these. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, I don't know. I, I would much rather just the customer's going to have to pay for it. Cars are expensive and they're going to need to learn that. Mm-hmm. You know, I. it's a bad way to look at the industry to some degree, but the honest truth is that cars are expensive to maintain properly. Yeah. And we're just going to have to change that. Right. Well, yeah. It's only getting more expensive as time goes on with yeah. all the extra stuff and the eight ass stuff and everything. It's just going to be yeah. really expensive to own a car. Um, yeah. And, and it's right now, a lot of the guys are racing to the bottom with this stuff. We talk, you know, that's the talk everyone's having. Everyone's mm-hmm. racing to the bottom. They're going to go out of business. I don't think it's the shops that go out of business. I think the guys that are that way that have that mindset will retire out. Okay. And then you won't be able to successfully run a shop without just charging more mm-hmm. or, or specializing because you're like, yeah, we don't work on those cars. We've been burned way too many times with, euros or whatever and then that that's the that's what's created the vacuum for you and me and sure all the other mobile guys to go and repair cars is we're willing to put in the time but we got to charge can't yeah. can't be afraid to charge for it and that's i know it's hard so I yeah yeah it's um it's about taking you know respecting the value of what you're doing um and just being confident in presenting what I can do. I'm confident that I can provide you with this service and here's, here's what it costs. I'll guarantee you that, you know, I'll get you the answer or, you know, um, and that's, that's where I've had some trouble when I first started is like, okay, I'm just figuring this out right now. And I got to go in and tell them it's X amount of money for me to figure this out. But I don't know, once you start rolling and you realize, okay, I can't actually do this. And then it gets easier and easier to just be confident and like, yep, that's, that's the fee. But again, once shops see what you can do, um, I don't know, most of them, I would say the large majority of them don't have a problem yeah. paying you, you know, what you are asking for. I don't get a lot of people that squabble. And I mean, honestly, I could just not deal with those shops um, if there's any issue, but most of them are totally fine. And I don't know exactly how they handle it. If they just pass it on to the customer. I imagine that's the case in most yeah, cases. You would hope some, some of them it's where their tech screws something up. Like I get a lot of those where they yeah. put an engine together and now it doesn't start or whatever. Yeah. And so obviously they're eating it at that, at that point I, I had a shop. He's like, I'm going to start charging the technician for all these mess ups. I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's really that's the way to go, that's it works. <laughs> but that's kind of how that, the, that shops run. Um, 
Are you dealing with, uh, so now you're doing brick and mortar stuff, you dealing with like part supply problems or part yep. quality problems? Yep, yep. So we have to be real um, vigilant on what we're getting. And luckily, I, I worked in the parts industry long enough. I kind of understand that, you know, a tentacle part's a tentacle part. Whether you get a, a Monroe shock or you get one that's private labeled and that comes from Tenneco, it's the same thing, right? Um, so you got to know what you're buying and where it just kind of comes down to finding a good parts guy. And that's impossible because there's, there's not any good ones out there. So you're going to have to do a lot of the work now. And that's why I, I said that about like the wrap is you can be that source where you don't have to hold anyone's hand and set all this stuff up. And that's what they want. Somebody, they've already got enough stress with the parts thing. I think that on its own is hard enough running the shop. Yeah. That's been our thing. So we got like a, a dead Land Rover that we need a BCM for, uh, can't get one, ordered three of them. Uh, they all have come from like ordered one from the dealer first, Tried to. They said intergalactic back order. We have no idea we'll ever get one. So you get that part number and you start looking online at all these companies that are selling Land Rover brand new parts, right? Either it's a dealer somewhere that stocks it and has an online. Sure. Uh, and all of those, they said they have one. I order it and they go, oh, it's actually back ordered. We can't get one. So then these dealers are, I guess the Land Rover dealers are posting that they have it in stock just because it's within their orderable system. Oh. So then I get a call back saying we don't actually have it. We can't get it. It's on back order. I'm like, I was really hoping I was going to, like I've done before, on some Chryslers. I've found modules that are on back order at my local dealer. Uh-huh. But then I find one online that has it in stock and I order it and they ship it right to me. Oh, it's just okay. set on the shelf. So it doesn't show up in my dealer's network because it's at some other, mm-hmm. you know, there's Hendrix Chrysler's got one in their network. And, okay. then, and then Jim Glover Chrysler's got one in their network and they don't talk. Okay. So, so some guy at Hendrix here in North Carolina can't find one, but he gets online and Jim Glover puts their stock on the internet so you can just buy it from Oklahoma. Nice. You know? So that's, that's, I was hoping that was the case. That's not the case. And then we've got all the cars we have sitting around for a long time are because of supply. Uh-huh. So the Land Rover, the crossfires, because we can't get crossfire parts. So okay. we're trying to come up with a solution for that, right? All right. Um, the 77 280Z that's still there is because we're waiting on a fuel pressure regulator that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, damn. Um, we're, you know, on and on and on. All these different, th- all the cars that we have waiting are parts supply problems. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of the issue. And, and to solve part of that, like, I started looking at our business and going, okay, where are we having the most customer frustration with? And it's Mm -hmm. like, they buy the wrong module or they buy a used module that can't work or they buy X, Y, Z. So like, all right, we'll just start stocking modules. So we just started stocking modules. We got like 150 in stock now of our like biggest Chrysler, GM, Ford, Toyota, uh, Nissan sellers, like the ones we do the most of. So we started stocking them because now I can solve that problem. New used combination? Combination. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a lot of used because that's what a lot of shops are putting in anyways. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to give them that option. They're like, they're like, Oh, okay. So it needs a module. Like, yeah, I was like, Oh, I'll try to find one. Like, you know, I show them my inventory. I have one. I'll sell it to you for this much. And then um, they're like, ah, I might be able to get it cheaper. I'm like, okay, but I guarantee mine's correct. And, and that it'll flash. Sure. Um, and, and all the shops, I, I don't know if there's any shop I've been to that hasn't put a used one in that was either wrong or, oh, yeah. or was no com or, or whatever at yep. some point. So they usually jump right. Oh, You'll guarantee that it flashes. I'm like, yeah, I'm not. And I guarantee it fixes it too because I just diagged it. Okay. You know, yeah. um, we haven't gotten any calls yet where someone goes, we need XYZ computer that we diagged. So then we're going to mm. have to deal with that phone call with, yes, we will program it probably here at the shop on the bench and then bring it out to do mobilizer functions or whatever. Uh, but we can only guarantee it's going to be the right module and program, not that it fixes the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> which is, you know, the same conversation you have when you go out and you flash one that they supplied uh-huh. and then the car still doesn't start. You're yeah. like, yeah, didn't um, die. I get sorry. 
I don't think your programming took. <laughs> yeah, it fell out. <laughs> I had uh, Patrick Masters had someone tell him that his programming fell out. <laughs> oh, there it is on the ground. Yeah, not how that works. Not Some how zeros that works and ones down But there. that's why, you know, all the guys out there, if you're a mobile programmer or something, take screenshots when you get, that is, the, that when you get the, the module completed programming or whatever, take a screenshot. Put it on your invoice if you've got some kind of DVI or invoicing system or something. If not, save the screenshot, notate the invoice number on it, and save it in a file on your laptop. Someone calls back and says, hey, you didn't program this module, blah, blah, blah. You can send a screenshot and go right here. Timed it. You know, GM's great. That's like this module um, did, or, or uh, was it programming complete? Mm-hmm. This module, this date and timestamp, and this GM warranty code, which is only for their internal use. But, sure. but you get a picture of that, and they can't really argue that, at the exact date and time you have listed that you were there, right. you have a w- module complete, and it's got the VIN number on it. Mm-hmm. You're like, obviously, I was hooked to the car. Obviously, I programmed the module, and at this date and time, it was completed successfully. There's, you know, it's a total cover your assets, you know. Have you had times, I imagine you probably did, where people come back and you've had to prove it with that information? Yeah, yeah. And then we, you know, when we, man, when we first, the first week we opened the brick and mortar, had someone call and go, Hey, can you guys come out to my house and program this Tahoe? It's just a regular customer. We don't go to regular customers' house. Only mm-hmm. shops or collision centers. So we said, no, you had to bring it here. And it ended up being a 6L thing. And he hadn't actually put the TCM yet in yet. And I asked him what brand. It was AC Delco. So I said, hey, you can bring it to the shop and I can bench flash it. So we did. I bench flashed it. And I took a picture of the warranty thing. Mm-hmm. And he paid cash. And then he went out. And this guy self-diagnosed the TCM. It's a you know end user. Yeah. So he called back while I was gone. I was actually doing a private event in Georgia, and and Liz and one of the Zacks calls me and goes, "Hey, that guy with that TCM that you didn't do the right paperwork on." <laughs> and and I didn't. I, I'm the worst. I'm my, my worst employee is me. I, I don't follow all my instructions, <laughs> but I did take a picture of the completion of okay. it. Okay. Uh, so I didn't write him up an invoice. It was just cash. And, okay. And so he was. He just wanted. Like, I made the invoice in the system. He didn't want a copy of it or nothing, so he didn't have, like, the date and time that he did it. Gotcha. So we looked it up because I just put it under walk-in customer and, and put it through the system. So I told him, yeah, it was this day I did it, and then uh, the picture of the thing shown completed in there was done. And he called and said the Prindle's all all squared off, whatever. So we actually ended up talking to the guy. I told, I told him we'd send a tech out and just had to tell him, like, I'll send a tech out to your house to look at this since we flashed it. But if he gets there and finds that it's not the TCM programmed incorrectly, mm-hmm. you got to pay a DIAC charge. And then he was like, oh, he ended up telling it to us. And then he just installed it wrong. The connector was broke. The uh, Yeah, it was all all just his fault. And sure. I don't, we got it all done and the truck started. So I think he might have been correct. I don't know what he was trying to solve. Honestly, okay. didn't ask. <laughs> like it wouldn't yeah. crank. So we got it to crank start, drove out of shop, no lights, no codes. Okay. And it seemed to drive around the parking lot all right. So if it was a shutter or something he was trying to fix or whatever, it still broke. But I had one of those TCMs in those trucks. It was an express fan. Um, I don't know if it was 80 or 90, but anyway, same thing where the TCM's in there. I had never seen this before. So this one was shutting down and it would lose calm with the TCM. Mm-hmm. And it would be just at random times and very intermittent. And I left it on the shop to duplicate it because they had me come out and check it like after it had failed, it went blank. So then, you know, it wouldn't shift, wouldn't crank any of that, that stuff when the TCM's down on it. And so I was like, well, you guys got to duplicate it. And then if you can get it tacked up, call me, I'll swing by and, and I'll look at it. I, I yeah. can't drive this thing around for hours. I just don't have the time. So it happened a couple of times where they got it to do it. By the time I get there, it's working fine. Um, of course. Com codes for in every module, which there wasn't much, it was a real basic van, but like uh, PCM, um, 
BCM, something else, all saying I can't talk to the TCM, no codes in the TCM. Okay. And, you know, I do my visual inspection and look at the network, all that stuff. All seems fine. Finally, it was like the third time I went back and I went in there and there was a code for an over temp in the module. And there was freeze frame data in it, and it got up over like 280 degrees in this TCM, the internal temperature. And it says right in the code, when this happens, TCM shuts down, yeah. it goes off the network and stops communicating. And so I was like, well, is this what was happening the whole time? And so um, went through it, and I think they ended up doing the radiator on it or something. Mm-hmm. But I guess this van sits a lot, it runs and idles and sits a lot. So anyways, it was a weird thing. I didn't even know that it yeah. would just turn itself off of the network when it got too hot. It was just a weird thing, but yeah. So that, that was the, that was the fix for that one is they ended up doing, um, I don't know if they tried flushing the cooler out or something like that. Um, but they ended up replacing the radiator and, and that, so that fixed it. Yeah. Like my wife's car got, it's got 200,000 miles on it. And my guy was doing, uh, one of my guys was doing a power steering hose on the other day at the shop. Um, and he broke the radiator. Um, Way to go, Zach Seipert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was doing the radiator, uh, or he he broke the radiator. And, and Nissans are in, interesting how they have like an overflow style tube at the top of the radiator, but the cap that's on the radiator doesn't doesn't have a relief. The relief is on the overflow style tank. Okay. So the, that whole radiator and that top cap is a seventy two psi cap with no spring in it. Okay. So it's just it looks like it's an overflow, but it's not. It's just part of the sealed system all the way back over the overflow tank, and then it's got a larger like GM or Ford style click plastic cap. So he was changing the belt because it got fluid contamination on it, and uh, he I guess he let go. I don't know. He broke the, the thing off the end of the radiator. So I was like, it's okay, man. Calm down. It's my <laughs> wife's car. No one's upset. We'll just put a radiator in it. He pulled that thing out, and it had like 10 pounds of junk crammed in it. I was like, hey, I think I found out why her AC doesn't work very well at Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was bad. You know, it's 200,000 miles in a car. We'd driven to Colorado and back, sure, and sure. Kansas is bad about bugs and stuff. So it okay. was just full of junk. We'd always get the cottonwood seeds that would go yeah. right through the condenser and stick in the radiator. It was like a mat yeah. on the front of it. And so you get, yeah, AC and overheating problems. And I think like many that. a times I've taken that car to the car wash and like pressure washed the condenser out. Uh-huh. And I'm sure I'm just cramming stuff in the radiator. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yep. know, but you know, you, you got it. You got to do it. So it was funny. So he did that and I was like, dude, it was great. Now the AC works way better. Thank you for doing that. So I just thought it was funny because we had been having a, a small overheating issue at idle and it was just a little bit low on coolant. And I was like, man, just a little bit made this thing act all kinds of weird. We, you know, it's a, it's an infinity QX 56. Mm-hmm. It's 2010. Um, and it's an old body style. And I don't know, they're awesome cars. We have no problems. Got 200,000 miles. I've very, done very little work on it. So each time he broke something, I was like, ah, I probably needed it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it's happened. Cool, man. Well, thanks for chatting with me. I don't want to take up too much of your time. So it was a blast. It was a blast. I like uh, hanging out anytime I can. Awesome. Cool. See you next time. Okay, that's going to do it for today's episode. Big thank you to Keith for spending some of his time at the conference to sit down and talk with me. Appreciate it as always. Also, want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening to the podcast and sending me feedback. Really does mean a lot. Other than that, let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.